right off the bat, I need to warn you about something. Many parts of our time together this morning will make me weepy. Um, That's just who I am. I'm just like a natural born crier. So just like take that with a grain of salt because these teens make up for so much of my heart. Um, And I'm so proud of them and I'm so for them that it comes out in the form of tears many of time. So there's your warning about that. So now that that's out of the way, I know we are still um, getting to know each other a little bit, getting used to each other. Um, As I just recently started, I say that, but it was in the summer and now it's snowing outside. So it's been a little bit, but I just wanted to take a minute and tell you that I'm excited, so beyond excited, um, and count it such a privilege just to be here with you. I'm glad I warned you because here it comes. Um, But also to be entrusted with the honor of being your youth pastor. Um, Yeah, so just getting that out of the way. I'm very thankful for the opportunity to be here with all of you. um, And I count it as a blessing each and every day that I walk into this place. Um, But yeah, so let's, let's move out of the sappy stuff. We'll get there eventually again. Don't worry, in case you were wanting more of my tears, they're coming. So um, uh, also, last time I was up here... um, if you weren't here, I, sh- I told a really embarrassing story. Um, it had something to do with uh, me working in the pig reproduction industry. So I'm going to like not go that route this time, but um, it's still going to be an embarrassing story, but a little bit more funny rather than gross, okay? So hang in there. Um, I just figured we could keep that like embarrassing story trend going. I feel like that's a really genuine way to get to know someone, right? If I, if I open myself up to you in that way, right? So we're going to stick with that. And, and you know, now that I think about it, after most of my embarrassing stories throughout my life have happened, really I found myself wondering like, literally, why did I just do that? Or what was the purpose behind that? And, and now I kind of see that maybe God was giving me some really good sermon inspiration, you know? Like he would give me little tidbits to use down the line. So I'm kind of thankful. Um, So thanks, God, for that sermon material. But in light of that, I wanted to give you a glimpse of kind of the credibility that I have to speak about this age group besides being a part of Gen Z myself. Um, And to do that, I'd like to paint a little picture for you, and then I'll show you a little video that'll kind of wrap it up in a bow for you. But see, because one thing off the bat that you need to know is that Gen Z students that are doing teendom right now should be grateful. I think, because they have these cutesy little curated Instagrams, or some of them don't, because as I've been told recently, Instagram is on its way out. So if you still have Instagram, then, then count yourself old, I guess. Um, that's what they told me, so I'm just passing that on to you for the future. Um, and we won't touch on Facebook, because I know that you know that just makes you even older and older, and so we won't go there. Um, but just wanted to let you know, but they also have TikTok, which if you've dabbled a little bit, also unfair, because they give them templates that set up jokes for them and like make it so that they can show their friends and in a second they've got all their friends laughing or even more unfair, they're going viral and becoming multi-thousand ears as a 13 year old. And I didn't get that opportunity, okay? We had this this really old and, and now it's kind of getting even more cutesy but I didn't even have that version of it but YouTube, right? The days of YouTube and some people still use it, okay? But I'm taking you way back to when I was a teenager Okay, which is 10 years ago, probably 10 or 11 years ago, which I know, I know, the giggles in the room. It feels like a long time to me, okay? And so um, this was like not not the cutesy YouTube that we have today. This is like warm lighting, who's in the video type YouTube. But I wanted to give you um, a peek into what I'm going to show you because that's, that's, 
that's just who I am. This is just a part of me that you have to know. And I shared this with the teens and it's super cringy. And now I'm going to share it with all of Facebook and the world. And so um, enjoy this video called the hip hop chicken and try not to cringe while you're watching. The hip hop chicken. Yeah. embarrassing oh wow that's I'm an actress yeah so in case you didn't know that's what you were signing on to but yeah so that's a little peek into me um and it's just as embarrassing as it was to show the teenagers a couple weeks ago they were like oh my gosh who picked this girl I don't know um but I, I really wanted this off the internet but my mom just can't remember the password and like changed her email in the last 10 years so that's really rude I think she just wants it to be out there for the world to see but we'll just let her keep that to herself that's between her and God I guess so nevertheless one thing about Gen Z that I think maybe I can claim from that 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 kind of highlighted a little bit was that this generation that rising up is creative They've got a special idea for new and, and faster and greater ideas to reach their friends and their families in seconds. They long to bring joy and to feel a sense of belonging with those around them. And so without jumping in and getting ahead of myself to set us up well, you probably noticed with Submerge um, playing this morning for us and, and me up here speaking, and with some of my ramblings already that we're kind of having a Gen Z themed morning together, okay? So I hope you're excited. Your bulletin if you saw it when you picked it up, um, entitles this time together as Gen Z carries the heart of God. And right off the bat, I need you to know that I believe that to my core. That string of words is what wakes me up in the morning. It's what fuels me. It's what brings me to my knees in battle on their behalf. And it's what leads me to get a little too defensive for them at their sporting games, if I'm going to be honest. So um, I think that this generation can get a really bad rap. And we'll start there. I know, what a great way to start. But I also think that what we have all experienced in the last couple of years during COVID hasn't helped their case, really, okay? Because we're seeing things like behavioral differences and mental health scares and other new things. And we think, these kids have just lost it. Can we be honest for a little bit with each other? We just came out of a time where grown people were losing it, ripping each other apart. Grown people question what they had always thought to be true and what they had always believed since they were little. Grown adults developed crippling anxiety and depression, and, and grown adults felt lonely beyond measure. So can you imagine being in ninth grade or third? I remember when we had just become parents. Curran was about three months old, and we took a trip to Arkansas because we're crazy like that. And we got to the Airbnb, and I remember looking over at Tanner and thinking and saying out loud to him, do you remember like when we were little and like if something scary were happening, how like it was scary, but we knew like our parents got it. Like that's us right now. Like if someone were to break in here, like we're on, like we're all he's got, like we've got to be those people. And I think about them and I imagine them looking around for, for comfort and like security and knowing that mom and dad have it and they don't. And nobody does, and every single person on planet Earth is just as confused and discombobulated, and nobody knows what to do. That'll stick with a person, right? It might cause some behavioral changes in a person or some anxiety, so it's no wonder 
that this generation is being ravished with that same anxiety and depression like never before. And I don't know about you, and hear me say this, it's a little not like theologically relevant or maybe even correct, but sometimes for fun, because that's cool, you can do that when you're reading scripture, you can have fun with it, to spice things up a little bit while I'm reading a passage, I sometimes give young Jesus like a little bit of an attitude, okay? And, and I'll show you what I'm talking about. Luke 2 verse 49 says, why were you searching for me? Jesus asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? Like, come on. That's got a little bit of sass to it. Be honest, it's got a little bit of sass to it, okay? And that's the NIV, so maybe you didn't hear it, but my personal favorite comes from the message version where it says, he said, why were you looking for me? Didn't you know I had to be here dealing with the things of my father? And this is the part that gets me. But they had no idea what he was talking about. That, and they had no idea what he was talking about ending is something that I'm sure every parent in the room could give an amen to, right? Like Mary and Joseph were just as confused by their teenager and he was like the coming risen savior. So you have it good. You're doing a great job, a phenomenal job with your kids. So I've said it before in this message, but they have such a depth to them, a connectivity it's inspiring to see the way that they interact with one another, and it's challenging to hear what bothers them most. I hate to be a little repetitive with them because I played the clip of this song for them a few weeks back. It's by, it's by Maverick City. Um, and I had listened to it, and it came up on my Instagram. I'm old. And um, I heard it, and the, immediately the words put in perspective what I think is a longing and a desire that's on their hearts. And it put in perspective their hearts and kind of made me change the way that I was viewing all of our hearts as well. So I'm gonna play that with you today. I don't give up on me yet. I know I'm not your best. But I'm trying, don't give up on me, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Don't leave me here alone. Let me time and time again But I still 
catch the words, they say, God, don't give up on me yet. I know I'm not your best bet, but I'm trying, so don't give up on me yet. And God, don't leave me here alone. I know I need to grow still, and I'm trying, but don't leave me here alone. I know I've come so far, but I've got so far to go. And with these brand new scars and this broken heart, it's hard to really know if there's a reason, and if I'll ever see it, but I wanna believe it, so don't give up on me yet. I believe that there's an underlying cry here of this generation, maybe of all of our generations, in a cancel culture, a one and done world, they are anxious for people to truly see them for who they are, and to also see their mistakes and not call it quits on them. And that's a strength, I think, because to really want grace means that you're quick to give it. You're more willing to offer it. And I think they embody that. I think they can be looked at sometimes as a generation of participation ribboners, you know, like everybody gets a trophy kind of deal. And I laugh sometimes when, when people are upset over that because that's the kingdom, isn't it? There's no first place trophy in heaven. There's no competition over who's the best. We're all invited the invitations for all of us, and we can't be upset that they're inclusive or that they don't want to deeply be hurtful to each other. That's a little odd, right? But what's even scarier is I think that there's a battle going on behind the scenes. And when I say behind the scenes, I mean right in front of our faces. Because this is a generation of strong leaders and disciple makers and peacekeepers and truth sharers, and they're rising up all around us. They long to know more, to know more about themselves and the people around them, but they're not wanting to stop there. They want to understand people. And, and this is a depth that comes to them that is a direct offense to the enemy and his schemes in their life and for this generation. Because we know the truth, which is to be fully known is to be without shame and without doubt. This is what they crave and what they long for. So with scary information hitting them from all angles about their identities and their purpose and their worth, and it's coming from different voices and avenues, we need to be the future of the church here. This is the future of the church. This is the time to rally behind the unique purposes for each of these students in this church and to champion them forth towards whatever it is that God is calling them to, to invest in them to teach them what you can and learn from them and with them what you can't. Because church, that's the point. We're built for empowering each other to run the race to completion. And that doesn't start when we finish high school. That starts when we're born. Jeremiah 1 verses 4 through 8 says, The word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. This is the part we forget sometimes. Alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I'm too young. 
You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you to. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and I will rescue you, declares the Lord. Intertwining our stories with theirs, finding common interests, and showing excitement for the sometimes really weird and strange things that they find interesting has never been more important. They're a connected group of people. They do it well and incredibly fast, and we can glean so much from their tenacity and dedication to look out for the left out around them. When I was in college, I took a class at the time um, called Spiritual Formation, and obviously we talked about things like different spiritual gifts, but most importantly, how to be formed by them. And this class was taught by a man named David Wine, who's since retired from the university, Um, but he was probably one of the most influential people during my time there. I remember the first day getting my syllabus and looking at it and thinking, oh goodness, like what is the thing that's really going to trip me up? Like what assignment do I really have to start focusing on now? And I thought the first one was going to be it. It said like, you're committing to a a four-hour at least prayer-only time. And he encouraged you to be outside. I was like, eh, no way. Sorry, sorry, Dr. Wine, that's not happening. But I did it, and, and I was wrong. That wasn't the, the thing that changed me the most over the course of this semester. Um, although it did continue to form me, and it radically changed my prayer life, and, and praying in solitude is important. Hear me say that. It's not the thing that impacted me most, because the thing that did strolled into class on the third day. She wasn't on the syllabus. Because we had gotten to the point in our unit where we focused on prayer, Um, we had just come back from these things, and the sweetest little old lady walked in with the biggest binder I had ever seen in my life. And I thought, I need to be her friend right away. Um, And he couldn't think, our professor couldn't think of a better or bigger prayer warrior in his life than his wife. And I thought there was a beautiful picture there to unravel. So she nervously made her way to the front of the class and began sharing about the contents of this massive binder and wept. She also began describing something that I had struggled with for a long time before coming to college, which was that she would get so sidetracked during her prayers when it was in her head or out loud by herself. She would find herself walking through the grocery list or some, a conversation that had happened, and then she would be frustrated because she's like, ah, I wanted to pray, but what am I doing, and, and why does this keep happening? And so after she had gotten married, she began praying and asking for God to give her a new and exciting and intentional way to connect with him, and he showed her this binder. It was uniquely sectioned, and there were sections like Thanksgiving and Lament and her husband and each of her children at that point, and my favorite was the pokey people in her life, um, the people that really got under her skin, and she would sit during her prayer time and recount her prayers over her people and highlight if he answered them, and she wept, and I wept, (laughs) and we all wept, Um, and immediately after class, I went to the nearest Hobby Lobby and crafted my own binder. Um, That was fall of 2019. And so I brought an excerpt of it to read for you today. Um, Because I I began, when I sat down with this message, looking back to my prayers um, under the section of ministry because during my time at Olivet is when I felt called to ministry and I was really unsure at first. And so I wanted to read this little bit for you today. It says... Lord, I am saying yes today to this scary call that feels like an interesting, unasked-for present in my lap. 
I'm trusting that you will go before me. Whatever teens that you have in your mind for me to be with, would you be with them today? Would you work in their hearts and in their lives? Would you continually shape me to be better for them as I learn here? That was November 20th, 2019. This is November 26th, 2023. And I stand here in awe of what God can do. I didn't even see these guys coming. I didn't see their stories or their sweet families or the impact that they would have on me, but God did. And I'm so grateful for a God that goes before, who knows and who cares and who chooses and who loves deeply. So when I think through how to disciple this age group, I think of Donna Wine and this article that I found from a study from Barna that states, they believe there is an emphasis on career for Gen Z. It presents an opportunity for the church body to engage in what would be called vocational discipleship. This means teaching young people about the integration of faith and occupation, helping them to better understand the concept of calling and emphasizing the meaning and theological significance of work, not just their potential for professional success or financial success, but the kingdom impact that work has. Which leads me into um, what we mentioned about on your communication card, what the sponsors and I have been kind of dreaming up for as we head into the next year together, what God was moving us towards and what he had been laying on our hearts, which really centers around being Bible-rooted and discipleship-heavy. I've come to know one thing about our church, and it is that being multi-generational is ingrained in every detail of who you guys are. In January, as, as a group in Refuge, we're going to be studying the Bible, which obviously, right, <laughs> like you'd hope, but in a deeper sense, why it's important, why it continues to transform us and why the words breathe life into who we are, why the lost art of carrying a physical copy is transcendent to our faith. Our hope and prayer is that the, at the end of these three weeks, the last week, the students would leave with the Bible that was updated for their current stage of life. I think back to my sophomore year of college, I sat at a coffee shop with my, with my roommate, and she pulls out this Bible from her bag, and it was an adventure Bible with a belt on it and monkeys swinging off. And I thought, what an odd Bible for a 21-year-old girl. And so that's what, that's what we're talking about here. A lot of them do have Bibles, but most of them are like, you know, not age appropriate, really. I mean, you, you want to get deeper, but there's a monkey swinging off the side. So it's like, you know, you see the issue there that's rising up. But this is what I mean. Our goal is to match each of the students with this different interest, age, job, having adults, and mentor them up until Easter. Eight weeks of mentorship that could involve you sharing what you do with your quiet time, doing different devotionals with them, studying a book together. So there's going to be an opportunity to check a box on your communication card if that is something that interests you. Or if you want, you could send me an email at srgis at pfn.church. But we're, we're really wanting you to connect with these students before Easter to make that impact as we learn in, in about how more the Bible shapes us and transforms us together. And so you'll also notice on the back of your communication card that there's a second option to commit to praying over a student for that same eight-week amount of time. I cannot think of a more intentional way to invest in the lives of these young people and to give them an experience and an opportunity to see a church 
that takes them up under their wing and walks with them side by side. If there are two things about Gen Z that I'm certain, it is that they do not forget their Donna Wines and that they carry the heart of God. So Submerge is going to come up for us and play a song that, that, that offers a reflection time for you. A time for you to invest and, and, and share that you want to join with them as they travel this next eight weeks towards Easter, which I know is weird to think about with Christmas decorations on the stage, but to journey with them, alongside of them. And if you're interested in knowing more about any of the details or committing to this, to this time together, would you take some time and fill out these cards when you're ready? And afterwards, we'll take up our offering together. Will you pray with me? Lord, thank you for this time, hearing about your heart for this generation, for all of your kids, both young and old. We trust you completely with them, but we also trust you with the gift it is to serve them, to know them more, and to help them come to know you better. We know that is the longing and desire of your heart. So we just ask, that you, would, that you would open our minds and our hearts to the possibility of committing to either studying with them or praying over them during this time. They face so much in their days, as we all do, but thinking of doing all of that without a prefrontal cortex fully developed is a scary thought. But we know you're with us, that you're with them, and we trust you with this time together. Would you open our hearts to the opportunity that it is to know these students, to love them how you love them? Amen. This next song we have for you today um, is a song we actually heard for the first time at NYC in Tampa over the summer. Um, it talks about how no matter where God is taking us, we need to know that he's taking us there for a reason, and it's never to hurt us. It's always to better us. And, um, yeah, I'm very excited to bring it um, to big church today. So will you please stand in worship?
together. Lord, as our ushers come forward to serve our church in that way, Lord, we are, we are grateful. Grateful for the opportunity to be in your house, to have a house to be in in the first place, Lord, to have this community of believers around us. And we know that that causes us to do something about it. So would you take complete capture of our hearts and our minds and have us be generous and open to whatever it is that you have for us. To offer you our time, our talents, and our treasures to be leveraged for your kingdom in the way that you have to use them, both here and around PFN. Lord, we're thankful for you, for the work that you're doing in each of us. And we're grateful for the opportunity to have this time together. In your name we pray, amen. And so, as we finish our time together this morning, I can't help but reflect back to something that was stirring in my heart this last week. During our celebration service, where some special people were joining our church family and more special people joined our eternal church family through baptism, there was a song that we sang at the end that um, isn't brand new to you, but it was to me somehow, and I still haven't... um, understood how I haven't heard this song before, but it it wrecked me and it changed my life, I would say, which might be dramatic, but I've cried about it all week. So it did something, right? Um, The lyrics gave this beautiful picture of eternity that sent streams of tears running down my face all week. Sometimes I think lyrics can pass us by on the screen too quick to to penetrate our hearts and our minds. And so I'm going to read them for you again this morning. 
The song says, I see bright crimson robes draped over the ashes, a wide open tomb where there should be a casket. The children are singing and dancing and laughing. The father is welcoming. This is our homecoming. Roses in bloom pushed up from the embers. Rivers of tears flow from good times remembered. Families are singing and dancing and laughing. The father is welcoming. This is our homecoming. Heaven joins in with a glorious sound and the great cloud of witnesses all gather around because the ones that were lost are finally found. The father is welcoming. This is our homecoming. And this is what I want for them. And not only for them, but for their families and their siblings and their cousins and their teachers. And I could go on and on, but this is what we battle for. That is what our goal is. This is what we are praying for, committing to. Not that knowing Jesus will make their lives easier because we all know that oftentimes it even makes it a little bit more difficult. But they have a lifetime of tricky situations, hard choices, impossible options, and some really tough times to come. But what better way to embody Christ's love as the church than to reach down, link hands with them for the journey and say, we've got this together. Will you pray one final time with me? Lord, thank you for the opportunity to be in this room, to hear about your heart for these students, for their lives, for their hearts to be more and more like you and with you than they were today, than they were yesterday, and that they are to come. Lord, we value them, each of them. Lord, the hearts in this room are just prepared for anything that you have for us today. Whatever you have for this week, Lord, would you empower us to act on it? To sense that still small voice nudging us towards someone or something. If we can glean anything from this generation, they are go-getters. They care deeply about their people and they won't stop until they feel included. And we can glean from that this week. Lord, you do a work in our hearts. Impact the people around us and our families and our workspaces and our friend groups, whatever it may be, Lord, would you use us as vessels for your truth and your goodness around us? We pray all this in your precious and holy name this morning. Amen.